Nice. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Green Pole Podcast. I'm Dan Crawford, the editor of Hammy End. Um, and we're recording this in very jovial, if slightly hoarse, uh, mood following yesterday's 2 2 draw with Liverpool at Craven Cottage. Um, I'm joined on today's pod by two of our veterans, uh, Frankie Taylor. He's with me. Hello, oh. Frankie. Yeah, hello, mate. How's everyone? Hope you're all feeling well after uh, after yesterday. I need a bit more time to recover, I've got to be honest with you, but we're pressing on regardless. Um, it was excellent, though, wasn't it? And I'm also joined by Alan Druitt, who had the very idea for this whole podcast. So if it all goes wrong, it's your fault, Al. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm doing good, thanks, Dan. But you've put some pressure on me, haven't you? Yeah, it's all right. Look, we're full and we deal with the pressure these days. We go right into opposition and, you know, we know we can score goals. So I'm not worried at all about any of that. Um, So let's start with a very simple question. Um, How are we feeling the day after the lunchtime before? Um, Because it was pretty good, wasn't it, Al? It was fantastic. Um, I can't, you know, it's not very often that you wake up the morning after a Premier League game with a smile on your face. But I think I can talk, you know, alongside many others and say, you know, we can be very pleased with how we played yesterday. And ultimately we can, there's a bit of me that feels a bit, you know, a bit hard done by that. We only got the the one point instead of three, but no, we can't be disappointed. And it's a, a great start to the season with 37 more left to play. I think we can be proud. I think that's the first thing, proud of the football club. Um, because the fans created a real atmosphere, uh, I felt, for that game. Started by the um, some genius put freed from desire over the tunnel about 10 minutes before kickoff, and that got everyone in the mood. Um, there were no clappers. There were instead these banners saying, we're back, um, and that helped sort of get a nice visual as people walked out. Um, and then the boys did the business, Frank. I mean, how good were we on the pitch? I, it was unbelievable. I mean, um, uh, just before half time, I think I sent a tweet out just going, whatever the final score, I'm proud of that first half because Liverpool, I don't think, had a shot and goal. I thought we were controlled, we were comfortable. It was just a top performance from goalkeeper all the way up to all the way up to Mitrovic. And it was, uh, yeah, it was quite something. As you say, the atmosphere was unbelievable from, from the first minute. And yeah, what, whoever genius it is at the club that played free from desire from uh, about five minutes before kickoff really set the, uh, set the tone for the whole afternoon, really. Yeah. Shad, if you're listening, give that bloke a pay rise um, <laughs> or, 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 lady, or lady indeed. Um, Cause that was quality. Uh, um, and, we were very good, but there was almost a manner in which we went about the whole thing as if to show that we weren't there to make up the numbers. We got right into Liverpool from the off, didn't we, Al? We did. Um, and I think we saw a glimpse of that in the pre-season, that we're going to press high. We're going to win the ball as, as high up the pitch as we can. And, you know, I think every man and their, and their dog are writing us off this season. Um, and... You, know, you can probably say rightly so, depending on how you look at a transfer window we've done so far. But there were so many positives to be taken out of it. You know, you've got Pereira, Paulinia. The spine at this moment in time, especially in that midfield, looks solid. 
Um, and in previous, our last two campaigns in the Premier League, that's not something you could sort of say that, you know, that wasn't our strong point. Um, but you've only got to look at the likes of Paulinho yesterday, who I thought was superb alongside the other 10 on that pitch. Um, but but no, we, we can't be you know, disappointed. And we've set a stall up now. So I think one thing we need to focus on moving forward is consistency. If we can find that consistency, I think we'll uh, have a very good season indeed. And you think when you mentioned um, uh, Shao Palhina and Harrison Reed in that, that engine room, Frankie, I think that's really key. I mean, I still can't believe that Palhina is a Fulham player at the price that we paid for him. And the hipsters call that a double double pivot now, I think. Um, <laughs> do they? I don't know. You're, you're a bit younger than I am. Um, yeah, so take it away, pivot. Yeah, the old double pivot, and they work really nicely. It, even on the first game, obviously they've had a bit more time in pre-season together. But as as a pair, they they seem to understand each other completely. But it was noticeable that Paulinho, anytime he he would get in his footballs that he had no almost no right to. He was nowhere near it. And he has these like octopus legs that somehow wrap around, <laughs> wrap around and just nick the ball, tow it away. He's unbelievable. I think Wolves will be uh, pinching them, uh, pinching themselves. Is that the right saying? Pinching raising, raising. Yeah. Use, uh, Lydia Campbellism. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like they're going to be gutted that, um, that they didn't manage to get that deal done when they had, uh, they were miles ahead of us going back to the uh, transfer window and I think he's going to Paulinho in particular is going to be a big part of, of of us staying up as a as a real protector of that back four and Harrison Reed just being almost his legs like Paulinho he's not the he's not the fastest mover he's not the most mobile most agile Harrison Reed little ankle biter just knocking about everywhere maybe that's the name for the <laughs> double pivot it's the octopus <laughs> and the ankle biter yeah, I like that I think that might make it into print very very good <laughs> Um, and then Al, you talked about Pereira in the ten. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he—I thought he'd been so. There was some sort of dissension from the idea of actually paying the money for Pereira um, from some quarters of the fan base. But I think he's been excellent, and there were little touches from him, and he was getting beyond Mitch, getting in the box, getting beyond Mitrovic. He's an intelligent footballer, and he's got great delivery on him as well. He is, and. You know, I think we've seen already in even yesterday and the Villarreal game, he seems to have already formed a, a good relationship with Mitrovic. So every now and again, they'll, you know, they'll try a little flick, they'll try a little dummy. But there seems to be that chemistry there already. Um, but I think with someone like Pereira, where he is still quite young, I think having a manager like Silva that believes in him, I think that will be important for him. Um you know, you do get a lot of younger players nowadays that like to, you know, throw their toys out of the pram. But I think with someone like him, I think he needs to be to be loved. Um, and he probably didn't get that at Man United, which is why he, you know, did go on loan a few times. Um, but hopefully now, you know, he sees that he's, he's got a point to prove in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, he's he's got one of the most informed strikers in Europe playing in front of him. So that can only be a good thing. Um, and scoring goals for us this season is going to be important. And I think if him and Mitro can form that bond that Cavalier and Mitrovic formed last year, it's going to go a long way in keeping us up this year. You're an absolute pro because you queued up my next question. You're talking about Mitrovic, the main man. 
the man who you know couldn't do it in the Premier League, lads. Um, no. Well, that's all over, isn't it, Frankie? How good is Mitro, and we expecting him to be this that good against Van Dijk and Matip? Well, that that's the key thing for me, really. Like it was it. It wasn't just the Premier League centre half. It was the best the Premier League has to offer in Virgil van Dijk. And Mitrovic terrorised him for the entire game. It was a really like, it was all, it was an old school battle where there was the odd aerial duel. It was very much physical based. But I mean, van Dijk could be seeing Mitrovic in his nightmares last night. I'm sure of it. Well, and every other Premier League centre half will be waking up in a cold sweat this morning, having watched the highlights, thinking, how on earth am I going to stop him? I know, Connor Cody's frightened already. I can feel it. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm well up for that because we haven't had a good result at Wolves in a long, long time from memory. Um, he may not even play, though, Connor Cody. Well, this is the, that, that, that's the interesting thing. There's some, uh, there's some suggestion that Connor Cody might be on his way out of, of Wolves, according to the... I, but anyway, let's, I not, take him. <laughs> let's not get sidetracked um, on, on that. Um, Al... We, you know, we love Mitrovic, obviously, as Fulham fans, but particularly at Hammy End, we've written about him ever since he signed. Um, and the, we can wax lyrical about him for days. He's now on 98 goals for Fulham, too short of the century. That's eighth in the all-time Fulham goal-scoring charts. Um, but Marco Silva said something very interesting, that it was more about his all-round game yesterday. There was that wonderful bit in the second half where he left Henderson in a heap and charged forward as if he was a dribbler par excellence. He went up to uh, Van Dyke, sent him this way and that, back to Southampton, and then did a Cruyff turn and got it out to the left-hand side. I mean, it was like, it was a combination of like Maradona and Paul Gascoigne. I wondered if the post-match drug testers would take an interest in that sort of level of skill. From, from Mitrovic um, you know there are levels to this game and he's right at the top level at the moment isn't he? He's just fantastic and I don't think there's much that he can't do to be honest yes he, he may lack that yard of pace but the the thing is and it annoys a lot of Fulham fans is there's a, a lot of lazy journalists out there a lot of lazy pundits and they say well he's, you know, he's never done it in the past but you look at the first season we had under Slav, Ranieri, and a few others. Um, he scored 11 goals um, in that season that we got battered pretty much every week. Now, the season, the last season, he hardly played because Parker thought he knew best. Um, and he'd rather Genius, play wingers. Genius. Oh, fantastic. Um, he'd rather play Cavaliero wingers through the middle, which, you know, fantastic decision. Um, Parker's definitely going to be the next England manager. Um but it, it, <laughs> you know, it doesn't take a genius to work out. You've got someone like Mitrovic play to his strengths and you see what happens. You know, yesterday proved that, you know, Liverpool have arguably one of the best defences in, you know, in the world. The back five is phenomenal. Um, and Mitrovic just said, right, give me the ball and I'll show you what I can do. And he did. You know, Trent didn't have an answer for him at the back post. And what I will say is about that first goal, um, if you look at Bobby Reed's run, when the ball goes out to Cabana to the right um, yes, and then yes, passes yes, on to yes. Tete, Bobby Reed makes this run past Trent and I think he goes, is it past Matip? Yeah, into the centre, it's a decoy run. Yeah, yeah, and then Mitrovic pulls onto 
to Trent and he, he wins the header. And I think Peter Crouch picked up on it. Um, and it was just just a fantastic team. I told you about swearing on this podcast. Don't mention people <laughs> who played for that team in Shepherd's Bush. Come on now. That's the yellow card. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, that, that's probably, you know, Mitrovic has played a lot of games for us and scored a lot of goals. But I think yesterday was probably his best performance in a Fulham shirt. And, you know, I don't say that lightly because last season, you know, he scored almost every game. But one, if I wanted to be negative on one thing, and really? I may get shot, shot in the foot about this, Hold on. is that second goal that they scored, I, I think if Mitrovic stays on his feet when the ball comes towards him, I know he felt a little push from Van Dijk behind him. If he stays on his feet, he he chests the ball and they don't go up the other end and score. Now, yes, I may get shot for that, but that's the only one criticism. I'm all for I people giving you yesterday. pelters, Al. That's why we've got you on it. <laughs> no, by um, all means, yes. These are pelters. So I, I think, just picked up on it. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, actually, the easiest chance he had all day was the one after three, two minutes, two and a half minutes, when he rolled it wide from a decent shooting position. Um, Frankie, the thing, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the goals, actually. The Al's picked up on Bobby Reed's run, Bobby Dickled over Reed's run um, in the, the Dickled run into the middle. But the, that whole move was exceptional. Herrera spreading it yeah. to Harrison Reed. Reedy sort of gallops on a little bit as he does now with the ball out to Cabano. Then Al's talked about what's happening in the box to get more bodies in the box. But the cross from Teto, right. yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was a quality delivery, and I think that's something that got maybe overlooked during the last six months of last season when Nico Williams came in and, and stole his uh, stole his right back spot is that Kenny Teto when he's in in those areas he may not have the athleticism and and the fitness to be bombing up and down the right all game but when he's in those areas I think he's got the best delivery at the club like his right foot's unbelievable um, and just to jump on what Alan was talking about with uh with the the movement from Bobby Reed, if you watch our warm-ups, that's something we work on in the warm-ups under Marco Silva. Every single time the ball gets played out wide. There's two runners. Um, one goes back post, one goes, uh, one goes near post. And then it's a mix up with the, uh, with the crosses. Sometimes they go back post. Sometimes they fizz low for the front man. And it was, it was just a, it's something we see all the time. Yeah, no, I, I certainly think he's a he's, he's a very good tactician. We'll come we'll, uh, and he prepares the team particularly. We'll we'll come on to that. I just wanted to mention the uh, penalty for two reasons. One, uh, what a ball by Maynor um, uh, Solomon to pick Mitrovic out. I mean, nobody seems to have picked out picked up on that pick out for a start. There's a lot to do for Mitrovic from there. Um, and he, t- he he does Van Dyke. He does him twice. He twists and turns <laughs> him. So it t- looks like he's going to take him to Glasgow. Ends up taking him back to Southampton. And then he buys the penalty. It's, it's a stonewall penalty, but he does that. He, do- he buys the penalty because he knows he hasn't got a shooting uh, angle to get to get it past Allison or even past the other covering defender. So he leaves his leg there. And Van Dyke dangles his, his leg in. Um, I'm not going to comment on Andy Madley because we're, this is a family 
podcast. (laughs) I just think he should have been wearing a red shirt for about 60 minutes. But he did point very quickly. Um, And that was class from Mitrovic. And he was class. And if I can say to Robbie Savage, Chris Sutton, Leanne Sanderson, Ali Bruce Ball, Andy Townsend on TalkSport said it was a dog. I mean, these people need to go to the opticians because they really aren't seeing what the rest of us are seeing. And it's troubling to me. Um, Right, so I'm going to move on to ask you, how poor were Liverpool, Frankie? Yeah, they they weren't, definitely weren't at their best. It felt a little bit like they thought the great Liverpool could turn up to Craven Cottage and there's three points guaranteed for them there. They were off the off it from the very start and it watching back on the uh on the community shield game when they were at man city from the very first minute and you, you sat there thinking oh god we've got to play these next week and it was the complete opposite they didn't turn up from the first minute it was like they sauntered across we're the great liverpool we're gonna get three points and yeah they just didn't turn up they didn't i weren't impressed with them whatsoever their midfield was inexistent they got completely shut down by Paulinho and uh, Harrison Reed and a lot of their tactics was like let's just punt it to the channels and see what Mo Salah can do that seemed to be their entire thought process anytime they tried the switch ball over to uh, Trent or Salah Anthony Robinson maybe put in his best defensive performance for the Whites. That's in shout, the, that's, yeah. that's the yeah. hardest perform. That's the hardest matchup he's going to come up against in, in the Premier League. Those two are have destroyed Premier League teams for three four years now. And Anthony Robinson dealt with them both. Whether it was Salah trying to come inside or or Trent on the overlap, I just I felt like every Liverpool question had a Fulham answer. And even their two goals came from fortunate. We're not going to talk about the second one. That was just, uh, I don't even know what to say about that one. It was just a bit of a mess there. And then the first is just, it's an unbelievable finish to be fair. But yeah, they weren't at their best. And luckily they've got good enough players where they can only turn up for five minutes and get a result out of it. But I think that's definitely more than they deserved. Yeah, uh, how do you think uh, Jurgen Klopp is is feeling this morning, Alan? Because he's come out with some rather deluded stuff. I remember yeah, I think that... he's got a, a dry throat this morning. He's got a dry it's something. He felt he felt <laughs> that the <laughs> he felt that the pitch was dry, and Lids put a tweet out showing it yeah. being watered. Um, and I remember when we won at Anfield, he said, "Oh, Fulham played a load of long balls." And they put the stats on the screen as he was talking to show that <laughs> Liverpool have played far more long balls than, than, than Fulham. I mean, is this myopia? I mean, I, I quite like Klopp uh, until he sort of morphed into this guy who has to blame something whenever his team loses. He's still a breath of fresh air in the Premier League, but there are signs that Liverpool are not as impregnable as they might think they are, Al. Is that fair? No, I, I, I think it is. Um, and I think Klopp's a bit like Marmite. I think a lot of people either love him or they hate him. Um, and I don't think he does himself any favours either because he's not one to give credit to the opposition if they lose. Um, and I think yesterday he had every right to, to credit us, but you, you never got that from him. Um, and just touching what Frankie said about Liverpool yesterday, I think their biggest strength turned into their biggest weakness yesterday because the way we played against them is how they play against you know everyone else. You know, high press, get in their faces, don't give them time on the ball. 
And I think a lot of yesterday, we need to give ourselves a lot of credit. We never let them play. We never let them get into any rhythm. Um, we, we got into their faces. We won the ball high. Um, again, touching on Paulinho, I think we'll be talking a lot about this season. Every time the ball got into our half, his octopus legs just seemed to appear from there, from nowhere. Um, but no, t- just touching on the two goals we conceded, um, they were incredibly unfortunate. The first goal in particular, you know, Nunes tries to croy fit, misses it, tossing, kicks it, hits the back of Nunes' foot and goes in top corner. The second goal, which is one which I feel we probably could have done a little bit better on. Oh, definitely. When the ball comes into the box, when the ball comes into the box, Reem, in my opinion, does his job. Who I thought was, he was phenomenal yesterday. He was my man in the match yesterday. And that's mainly because he does get a lot of criticism, especially at the highest level. He wins the ball, but if Tossin stays where he should be, the ball falls directly to his chest. Now, I don't know if he's tried to win that ball because he doesn't trust Reem getting there or he feels like he has to make that that jump to try and win the ball. But it's just unfortunate. As Reem's got that flick on, it's missed Tossin just completely. It's a lack of communication, Nune- isn't it, Al? I just feel Tossin should have stayed on his feet and not tried to win the ball. Yeah, I think, uh, sorry, I think he got, um, I think he just got a bit caught in in two minds. He didn't know whether he, he he obviously wanted to come and just clear everyone out and nut that ball right down the other side of the pitch, but he didn't have enough conviction in it and kind of got caught in the middle, um, which allowed obviously uh, the space in behind to cause a little bit of chaos. So uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. I think Tossin even needs to go and take out everyone. Or, or, yeah, as you say, Alan, just stay, stay where he is. Yeah, and I, w- I would like to give a shout-out to Tim Ream um, because no, 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 no. he's been an incredible servant to this football club. And football fans are fickle. Someone's brilliant one week and then terrible the next. Um, and Tim Ream has been reliable for us, admittedly mostly in the Championship. But there was a lot of nonsense written about how he'd embarrass uh, us in the Premier League. We'll never be embarrassed by Tim Ring. He's a model no. professional. He's a leader of men, both on and off the field. He's got a hinterland, unlike a lot of footballers. He thinks broadly about social issues. Um, but phenomenal. he's paid to be a professional footballer. And we got every amount. I don't know how much he's paid, dollars or pounds, um, but we got value for money from him and then some yesterday because that is not easy. Uh, against that frightening front line that Liverpool had and the amount of movement that they were, particularly in the second half after they'd scored, the amount of pressure they were putting on. And he was a warrior. He was phenomenal. Touching on his second half performance, sorry, Dan. um, There was a time when Cabano hits the post at 1-0. And if that goes in... We We haven't talked about that yet. No, the ball, I think the ball gets played out. I don't know who it was from. It was from Van Dijk or, or someone. And Ream intercepts the pass. And he seems to run through the middle of the pitch, passes it out, I think it's to Pereira, then out to Gabano, who then hits the post. Now, again, Tim Ream may not be the fastest, but boy, he has, you know, one mental strength. He, he can read the game. And I think, I hope he's given a chance to prove it um, until he has a bad run. Because um, yesterday he's well, he proved he's well worth his spot in the team, especially for Wolves next week. 
And I think that leads on to, you know, we are uh, running out of time a little bit, as ever, with the with the three of us gabbing on. Um, uh, leads on to my next point, which is where can we improve? But more, what do we do with the team? Because Marat Rodak made a phenomenal save from um, Darwin Nunes uh, just before Nunes did it again, that tried to do that back heel finish. Um, does he keep his spot? How can you drop him? I don't think either of the goals were his fault. You've talked about Ream and, you know, does Shane Duffy come in? Will we have another centre-back by by next weekend? Um, does Solomon, you know, can you drop uh, Cabano after, or, or Deckard over Reed for Solomon after that? Um, suddenly there are some interesting questions about how you set the team up for Molyneux, Frankie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's even, we brought, spent some good money on getting Kevin and Barbu in and, and I mean, Tete put in a performance where you you can't drop him. And I, I also said before the game yesterday, it's like, OK, Marek Rodak starting, surprised me. Uh, I really thought we'd chuck Burn Leno in um, after spending so long trying to get him. And I just said, Marek, you have to become, you have to be undroppable. You need to be undeniable that you are number one. And sure, he conceded too, but as you say, I don't think that was his fault. And I think that I don't envy a manager who now has to look back and see Bern Leno on the bench. But then actually, <laughs> Marek Rodak's there and, uh, he, and he's playing well. There was a couple of really nice clutches from crosses as well, um, which hasn't always been his bag. So maybe he's been working on it a lot over the summer. Who knows? Um but yeah, it, it does bring up a load of questions because pre-game, I'm sitting there looking at the team and it's like, God, Tim Ream up against Salah and Firmino and Diaz with Nunes on the bench and then you've got Cabano and De- Decordova Reed who are probably wingers number three and four if you place them on the drop on a depth chart. And again, they did no uh, they did no shame on themselves with Cabano hitting the post and I mean, Bobby always puts in a good shift no matter where he plays. So some really interesting questions now that Marco Silva has to has to work with. And I don't I don't envy him. I'm glad it's someone else who has to uh, has to deal with these well, players. Well, I'm very glad it's not the three of us who picks the team because we'd have been in <laughs> deep bother uh, yesterday after about half an hour, I imagine, if we picked it by committee. Right, I'm going to finish here with the question I asked uh, Ollie and Tommy um, last in the last episode about how you became Fulham fans. Al, go first for me. Tell me your Fulham story. How did you uh, first cap eyes on Craven Cottage? Unfortunately, my story's not as glamorous as Ollie and Tom's. Um, I had no choice in the matter. Um, at the age of three, um, I must have been I must have been naughty at nursery or whatever because my dad said, right, I'm taking you down to Craven Cottage. Um, so my first game was 94-95 season. Um, so, you know, there was only a couple of thousand Fulham fans there. I sat in the Hamilton end. Unfortunately, I don't remember the game, but I do remember glimpses of being there. Um, and my love for Fulham just sort of sort of grew from there. But I've always been Fulham, been going since the age of three. So that's, what, 28 years now. Um, and, yeah, it's one thing I'll always thank my parents for, for introducing me to a, a special football club in Fulham. Yeah, and you've passed it on, if you don't mind me saying, to your own children as well, haven't you? Yeah, again, they have no choice. You know, you What's can that? choose your... You can <laughs> choose. Poor children. Uh, well, no, no, mate, mate, you get less for murder <laughs> in terms of a life sentence, don't you? Well, um, you can choose your wife, you can choose your husband, but you can't choose your football team. No, it just gets given That's to you. That's how I've always been brought in, up. In, in, in the Druid family, yeah. 
yeah. Uh, Frankie, <laughs> how about yourself? Uh, for me, it's a bit of a. It was a bit of an inner rebel. I actually have no family ties to Fulham. I'm the only Fulham fan. I uh, in the family. Careful you don't swear. Up. Careful you don't swear in this podcast because you might mention <laughs> the allegiances of your of some of your family. So careful here. Uh, yeah, I won't say who my uh, dad supports, but a lot we can of work it out. Though, can't we? we can work it out. <laughs> yeah, it's in the same sort of area. Playing blue. I'll leave it as that. And then a lot of my extended family, I'm from, grew up South East London. So a lot of them are Charlton supporters. And I think it was just a case of, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I just picked Fulham out of nothing at like six, seven, eight. So um, yeah, here, here we are. Fantastic. Nothing exciting, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird <laughs> one. No, but it's good, mate. We, you, there was a time when I started going to Fulham, you, could deal, you needed all the uh, support you could get. So it's great. Um, right, yeah. I'm going to close it there, lads. Uh, Frankie, thanks very much. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's a pleasure doing it. It's good to talk to you guys and good to have a good result as well. I'm sure we'll have a few <laughs> a few angry ones over the coming season. <laughs> oh, no doubt, no doubt. You didn't even mention Anguisa to get Alan started. Al, <laughs> thanks. Well, that's, I'll get, I'm getting my jacket. Yeah, he's <laughs> off. He's off. <laughs> and he's not pulled. He's just angry. Um, right. <laughs> Now, uh, I did want to finish with a message for the former editor of Two for David Lloyd, who's um, been unwell uh, over the summer. Uh, our thoughts go out to David. He was at the game yesterday, and hopefully that wonderful performance will have cheered him up. To Matt, to Karis, to Ellen and Heather, um, we're all thinking of you. Uh, we love you. You are Fulham, forever Fulham. And that performance was for you. Uh, thanks very much for listening to the Green Pole podcast. Well, I hope you'll listen uh, and we'll find out, I guess. Um, and we'll be back uh, later in the week with a preview of Wolves. Thanks to Frankie and Alan, and we'll speak to you soon. Come on, you whites.